Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense, but we are a sub science here to make things make sense. Welcome back to Side Note Podcast. Today, we are talking with the one, the only Marquez Brownlee, otherwise known as MKBHG. We're talking everything tech, including whether or not Android is better than Apple. Let's get into it. That's a very contentious debate between Greg and I because I'm an Android girl and she's an Apple girl. Yeah, and yesterday he comes waltzing in and he goes, oh, shaking in his boots. Oh, <laughs> can I use your iPhone? You can't do it on TikTok on an Android. Oh, whoa, I know. Whoa, whoa. That is sad. And I, because I want to sing with something and you can't do it on Android because the with mic doesn't With something, you wanted to sing you, with the Charlie Poop. You can, you, you can do it, but the audio is not on. So you can only react. And I was like, girl, I want to sing with Charlie Poop. No, Mitch, I think you have to hit the mic button. No, it's... It doesn't exist on my phone. I, I looked this up and like some phones have it, some don't. And I researched it on the internet, not there. So I was like, okay, big notch against Android. Okay, well, we will get into that, you know, the god of tech, MKBHD's <laughs> actual opinion. But right here, right now, you can't do it on an Android. <sighs> That's a notch against. Yeah, no, I, I might be slowly converting. But I feel like we have an amazing interview with him. So I kind of want to just jump into our What Did You Learn This Week? Yeah. So we can also jump into our interview with him. What did we learn this week? I have a really cool one this week that I think you're going to like. Okay, go off. But I go feel off. Like, I feel like you'll have a... It's about music, so I'm always like, <laughs> Greg loves music. Um, basically, researchers have found that people's musical tastes tend okay. to freeze around the age of 30. Oh my gosh. I was thinking you're... Drag so me to the core <laughs> of the earth. I'm no, 30. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so am I. I think this maybe will resonate more with me than you because you actually are really good at exposing yourself to new music and mutate, new tastes. Mutate. And, I do and mutate. Mutates. Mewtwo. Mutate. Um, so basically, it was not really a proper study necessarily. It was a big survey that was done. And they in this survey, they found that the number of new artists around the age of 30 or so, they said people go into music paralysis. So <laughs> So there were theories that when you're in your teens, like you're constantly finding new music, finding new artists, and then it just tapers out. It They say it, music discovery usually peaks around age 24. And the sort of two hypotheses for it were that one, people have less time. They're busy. They're not like available to just be searching for music unless they're like you obsessively, you know what I mean? Every Friday with Spotify I also have music. another podcast that it forces me to. Can I speak to the manager <laughs> podcast? Okay, plug, up, where where's our side note <laughs> cash for all these plugs, by the way? Uh, number two, 
what theory was that you know openness to new experiences in general peaks in your teen years and decreases throughout your 20s so it kind of follows the natural trajectory of people like wanting to find new things wanting to experiencing new things and also feeling so connected to the things that they find nostalgic right yeah because even beyond music people really connect to experiences that happen to them in their teens um but something i found really interesting and i maybe i don't know if you'll be able to do it in this moment but i'll tell you mine so a data scientist used um information from people's ages and their spotify information and found out the songs that were the most popular in their teenage years were most likely to be their high played tracks on spotify so uh, is that how they figured out kind of like that you are like that it falls this, off this was a, a this separate... was a separate like okay. it was a specific individual data scientist who looked into this and found like women who were 41 years old like the most popular song was just like heaven by the cure oh like, back to when they would have been yeah talking. when they oh. were 11 then women who were 69 liked pretty ruin by roy orbison when they which came out when they were like around 11 and so i was like what <laughs> what's my most popular spotify song so i looked it up mine's weird um but it's like the main theme not the main theme but one of the main themes from spirited away oh called one summer's day which came out when, when i was 13 wow did you see it when you were young like 13 years old or did, was that like i saw it yeah when it came out wow yeah. that's so on brand I, I, for to be you. honest i might have maybe it was a year or two later but no no but that makes sense like i didn't still, see it in theaters just, wow oh my gosh so um, how do you find out your most popular spotify song i just looked online uh this site was called like stats for spotify.com and you just log in and it tells you your top songs of all time or the last six months or the last four weeks. To be honest, the rest of mine are a lot newer. A lot of them are musical theater. So it's like the most, you know, Hamilton and <laughs> it's like kind of embarrassing to look through mine. Um, but I must say like, like yours right now. Yeah. I should. Oh, I so I the thing works. is though, like for me, I find, I don't know. I go on freaking Spotify. Every, even today, it's Friday. I go on. I'm like new music. I'm like, here we go. I listen to them for all. Us. <laughs> for us. For us. Sorry. And I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe because I'm 30. I'm like, next. Thank you. Next. Like, like, I don't know. It's like, it, yeah. it's so interesting when I was, I feel like it was so easy for me to discover new music mm -hmm. when I was 24. And to really like fall for it. Okay. So what okay, do I do? So at the top, if you top either tracks? top tracks, if you want, and then you can do all time and see what your top all track time. of all time is. Missing you, Robin. Oh, okay, so which it's obviously didn't come out more when we recently. Were like twins, Butterfly but Grimes, um, Into You, Ariana Grande, Heart to Break, <laughs> Competris, Baby, Forgive so Me, Robin. It'll be interesting of a beat, when Grimes. we're older because we've just Young passed. Thug. Okay. This is so weird. Sorry, I'm excited now. <laughs> Give it a break. Okay, we've sorry. Heard, we've heard Bad Bunny. Five. <laughs> Bad Bunny. So I think these are more modern for us, but I'm curious by the time we're like 50, if we will actually gravitate even more to older songs because obviously Spotify only came out for us. In like the more recent this years. This is a great little website. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. This is so fun. Sierra, weird. Kiss and tell. Oh my god, that's a great. Oh my god. Whoa, I need to, I'm just gonna like listen to all these songs. <laughs> okay, whew, okay. What did I learn this week? What did I learn this week? I love that. That's a really interesting thing. And I do what I I was before we end off your thing, I'm really excited about this. I think it is like important to listen to what the kids are listening <laughs> to i don't know like me like it, it i i totally understand what this study is saying but i also think it is fun to listen to music and one thing i was just like anecdotally gonna say 
things are so cyclical in trends in fashion in music what sometimes happens now i find is i listen to songs and i go like like i'm so old that i eye roll a bit i'm like oh this again you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like things are coming back. Like it's like disco you're more, now. You're more it's cognitively like, aware of, of like, something being a trend. Yes, as opposed to like new, like this right. life changing music that you hear. Necessarily fresh. Yes. So that was just like That's a little fair. anecdote that sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, we we're old. on to disco. Okay, everyone's wearing bell bottoms. Okay, so, <laughs> so um, I learned this week about a team in Hungary that has hypothesized that we have evolved to kiss and hug each other, like have our heads touch heads in order to transfer head lice because head lice is actually biologically advantage. What? Advantageous. Wait, what? Like as in we may do, we may kiss and hug specifically almost for For, spreading head lice. Yeah. So this is a hypothesis based on uh, something I'm going to explain now, which is that this is thinking about, evolution so it's like we're talking long periods of human history not like it's not advantageous necessarily for us right now to get head lice hence why when we get it we're like we need to clean our house okay so what's the what's the theory behind why that would make sense so you're when you get head lice you your immune system recognizes the head lice as foreign and mounts a response to protect your body from lice and it also protects your body from body lice now body lice is a by definition, a separate species, and it is more likely to spread um, bacteria, and it can cause typhus. In uh, World War One, it caused trench fever. They think that body lice is what spread the Black Death. So these are like Whoa. a lot of diseases are spread through body lice, but they are not spread through head lice. Huh. So if you think about us as like human history, it would be advantageous to have head lice so that your body mounts the immune response and without getting you. that disease. Yes, against body lice. Wow. Yeah. So then it's like So then it's a it's an advantage to be close to someone else's face and head because then you might get their head lice, which protects you potentially in the long run. It might be annoying to have head lice. Yeah, a little itch 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 here and there, you. but it's not gonna kill you. Yeah. So this is again wow. like evolutionary biologist fitting in their theories right. into science. I'm sure it's many complex reasons why we kiss, but that's yes. really cool. Or like why we rub heads or why families like kind of like People snug together. <laughs> or you know what I mean? Like you're more likely to be like touch heads with your kin, with people you're trying to protect. Like mm-hmm. It makes sense. It's like a, an intimate yeah. thing to do. But yeah, it's definitely more about lice. I thought that was fascinating. I didn't really know that like head lice and body lice were even that different. Me or either, yeah. lice. And they are different, but there's a lot of scientists and like, you know how people... Sometimes, like, when it comes to classification of species, like, some scientists will argue and others won't. Like, some people think they are the same species, some think that they're not. If you go broad enough, everything could be classified as the same species. You know what I mean? There's, like, what is the actual distinction between them? They're obviously very similar. But if one carries disease and one doesn't, that's a great line to be like, okay, here's the the distinction. (laughs) I thought that was just, like, really fascinating. And even body lice. I didn't realize that there are these lice that can live in your clothes and in your, like, you know, Thin little body hairs. One last little anecdote. Have you seen videos when people are using those lice combs in their hair when they have like really bad lice problems? Ew, no, but I see you have. It's one of those things that's sort of disturbing, but also fascinating. Like, you know, when you watch someone pop pimples and it's disgusting, but sometimes you can't not look. So there, if you are into that kind of thing, there are videos of people with, it's usually sad because it's usually kids in the videos that are getting the lice picked out of their hair they'll, they'll be like thousands i love all creatures i love all of nature's creatures Ooh. so you know what when i see a lice i think cutie 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 <laughs> okay, cutie cutie sure. belly rub belly rub belly rub <laughs> okay Amazing. let's get into it i'm so excited i love marquez brownling okay yeah let's do it here is our interview with mkbhd time to get to know you 
All right, so we are here with Marquez Brownlee, otherwise known to some as MKBHD, tech YouTuber, 11 million plus subscribers, ultimate Frisbee professional, which I want to get into, and <laughs> yeah. all around possibly one of the nicest people on YouTube. Uh, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, how, how are you doing in quarantine? <laughs> well, you know, as good as I can be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm making, I'm keeping myself busy for sure. There's, there's still, tech just keeps coming out. It's not quite the same because there's no events, but it just keeps going. So we're, I'm just still yeah, making. Yeah, I'm so curious about that. So obviously like uh, a lot of events like E3 was that canceled and like usually there's like Nintendo Directs and stuff happening now. And would you Everything. normally be like so inundated with stuff right now, right? Yeah, you know, we kind of look at it like there's seasons in tech where the first few months of the year is usually pretty quiet, actually, like January, February, March. CES is like the one that did happen. Okay. Then everything turned into what it is. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, anyone who would have like a, like Samsung Unpacked, like an in-person event or all the stuff we're about to have in like the third and fourth quarters where stuff starts getting like all the holiday stuff starts coming out. I mean, we're just going to have to see what they do. You know, com their companies are trying to come up with cool replacements to their events, which yeah. I think is kind of fun. Like OnePlus just launched a phone and they had an augmented reality event. Oh, wow. That was kind of, it was, it was kind of cool. So it's like you know, yet to be determined how they all have to find creative ways to like still get their products into the eyes and minds yeah. of people. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so we're still making videos about it because the tech's still coming out anyway. That's fair. Okay, I have a lot of questions about like actually the industry and stuff, but first I want to chat about you. For anyone on our podcast who doesn't know much about you, you are a quote-unquote tech YouTuber, but I know you started like maybe about 12 years ago, was it? Your, your YouTube channel? Wow. Almost, yeah. I've seen some of those videos. I know you posted some, I think, on Twitter recently. Yeah, one like, was going so around recently. Little. I saw it. You were so young. It was so cute. It's it's rough. Those, you know, the YouTube algorithm has its way of popping those back up. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. 12 years. Uh, yeah, so when you started, what were your videos about? Uh, I've always been in a tech, so the first videos were just straight up, like, software tutorials. So, like... I had software where you could record the screen of the laptop called screencasting software. And so I'd find like cool, you know, little tips and tricks in Windows 7 and like little <laughs> free bits of software that I thought were worth sharing. And I would just make an entire video about it and just upload that straight away. And that was like the, that was the style. The whole theme was like trying to make it as smooth and presentable as possible, kind of in this super nerdy way for what other 15 year olds doing that, you know. Right. But, so you were 15 at the time. Yeah. In the middle of high school, just coming home from practice and like <laughs> just turning the laptop on finding some new software to talk about yeah wow that's so cute also like i i sometimes wonder or i'm wondering now do you think that adds because obviously i think a lot of people see you as like an authentic youtuber like you're not over the top you just are interested in tech do you think mm -hmm. it helps in a lot of ways that people can look back to when you were 15 years old not making money on this platform just pure interest in tech like already starting to do that it kind of shows that like you've been that same person forever. Definitely, yeah. You, I think one of a question I got on like a like a sort of a TV interview was like they held the mic up to me. And they were like, "So how does it feel that like the internet has seen you grow up?" <laughs> I thought about it. I was like, "That's actually a really good point. Like you've you've seen like the same person the entire time, but you know you see them grow, you see them develop new interests, and the same genuine interest in tech." stays through the whole thing so i think it helps actually yeah that you can rewind far enough and get to the embarrassingly old but still somewhat techie videos i made back in the day 
Yeah, I wonder how often, like you said, like YouTube surfaces old videos. I wonder how many of your subscribers every now and then just see like Marquez at 15 years old. Do you, you know, there's a there's a handful <laughs> that like really consistently. It's my first video ever. Is one of them. There's a video I made. It's called like Update 5.0 or something. I did like this update series where I would talk <laughs> about like the channel and what I wanted to do. One of them randomly always has this resurfacing effect. And there's like one or two others where I'm like sitting in front in like like my bedroom in front of this computer like yeah it's a good reminder I guess but yeah you see the numbers most of them do not resurface but a very small handful of them just like for whatever reason YouTube likes to just bring them back I have a question like you're so good and I even see it when I look at your old videos like you're so good at delivering information to a camera like we obviously are trying to do that too like talking about science like it's confusing things tech is confusing mm -hmm. Do you have like strategies or is it really actually very natural to you? Like sometimes me and Mitch look at each other, we go pretend you're talking to, and we say like one of our friends names in order to try yeah. and like come off like, like to get into a normal space where you're not so present. Yeah. yeah. But whenever we watch you, we're like, you're so good at like, <laughs> yeah. Like, do you have strategies or are you just like born to be doing this? Well, you know, thank you. First of all, I do try. Uh, <laughs> I think some of it, yeah, comes from when you're, when you're breaking down tech, I almost, you brought up Frisbee earlier, but I almost live in two separate worlds where like I have these friends and these people that work in the studio with me who are super into tech and I can just dive into the weeds with them about anything and we'll be able to talk about it. But then there's the other world where only some tech really gets into that bubble where like the new iPhone will come out and they'll ask me about it and I sort of have to distill all that information into digestible but still informative little bites where they're like, oh, it has an extra camera, right? Like, I don't have to care about that. And I'll have to say, well, actually, <laughs> so it can get better low light photos because of the extra camera. Or like, I'll, I'll, I'll really right. have to think about it. And I think what it comes down to is I'm just trying to use the information that I know that I might not say and compress it all into as dense of an informed statement as possible. It's It comes off a lot simpler in the video than it actually is, like but it comes from that is. information, yeah. So I don't know if there's a strategy to it, but I feel like that's what I'm thinking about when I'm saying things. Do you do you ha do you take a lot of takes and then have to redo things over a lot, or do you find that you've gotten so good at distilling information that it comes more naturally now? No, I I, I write almost everything. So I have when I when I outline a video, we have like a Google Doc that I'm writing in and that the guys that work for me, we're all like editing and putting together. And once we have this sort of structure laid out, then uh, when you see me talking to the camera, that phone with the Google Doc is in my lap and I'm referring to it and looking back at it and trying to address every point in the outline as best as I can as I go through everything. So let's say a 10 minute video that you watch will probably come from 45 minutes of talking. Wow, okay, and, and it's outlined, it's not fully scripted. It's, I'm it's literally just mining you for information right now. <laughs> no, no, yeah. YouTube video yeah, we're like, so wait, so it's outline? Because that's really interesting. It's an outline? Yeah, no, it is. It is. I'd say it's like 90% scripted. So I will okay. I will have the couple of sentences and then I'll say it a, a couple different ways. And it's not like word for word or anything. I don't, I've been horrible at teleprompters, so I, I never do that. But I usually have like, like I, it would almost be easier with an example, but I would, I would say like I'd have the spec sheet and the couple of things I want to make sure I say about that so that you can remember them. And I'll say them a couple different ways, and when I'm editing, I can pick the one that best fits with the rest of the puzzle. 
Wow. It's interesting because I feel like it is applicable. It's similar to what we do where we're both like dealing with languages that are can be sort of foreign to people who aren't in those spaces, right? Whereas if you're if you're like a vlogger, you get to just actually talk from the heart if you want to versus delivering information, you want to make sure you have the technical aspects correct before you just start talking about it. But then you also want it to be real and feel like you're being conversational. So there is that kind of yeah. game of like, how do I memorize those points and then put it in a sentence at the same time? Is I wonder if there's a name for that skill. Being smart uh, AF. <laughs> something like that, yeah. I know anytime I watch science videos, I'm thinking about that. I think, and I, I always pronounce it wrong, but Kyrgyzstat videos. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, in a nutshell videos or your videos where it's like, you know that there's all of this information where you could casually change up the language a little bit, but it would change like the the actual science that that is drawn from. Right. So you don't want to mess with it too much, but you, you have a certain thing you need to actually say to get the point across. That coming from all the research, I have a lot of respect for that because that's, again, it's the same thing you just said. It's like you have to have the knowledge to, to put that together. Yeah, we notice it a lot too. Like, And the nice part of being YouTubers is when you work with other um, like companies more in like TV or mainstream places when they're like, oh, could you say it differently? And then we're kind of like, oh, we actually like can't. Like, like, yeah. it's like <laughs> that's not what it says. And then we're like lying. And you can see that they have that moment where they're like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, I appreciate that you appreciate what we're doing because it's like they right. have that moment where they're like, oh, you aren't just saying things. You're choosing your words carefully because you have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. And it matters a lot. And I'll, I'll, I also see a lot of comments where they're like, Oh, you know, he doesn't know that much about tech. He's mostly just like regurgitating like the big points. But a lot of the way you talk about these big points come from experience and from all that research where if you just said everything, like if I just, when I review something, I take I take a lot of notes. I have docs. I'm writing down all these points. If I said all of these things in my video, it would be 50, 60 minutes long. Like the whole time. <laughs> no one would watch all of that. So kind of the art of it and the, the fun of, like piecing together the puzzle is trying to put together something that's structured in a way that gets all the important points down and gets even some of the nuance and interesting things that someone not into tech could still appreciate, but doesn't get into the weeds. Like we, I have a podcast where I do get into the weeds, but the video has that sort of structure where it, I think is sort of an what, art form. What's the podcast called? Plug it, plug it. <laughs> it's that waveform podcast. Yeah. yeah. That's for anyone watching. He's got a shirt yeah. from it on right now. I got and in the, Canada, I got you're, you're all over the iTunes Canada page. I thought I'd tell you that because you might not know that. Oh, really? Your face. I, yeah. I don't know if maybe I you like should that. know that in case you need to like charge them or something, but they're using your face. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, no, we get, we get super into the weeds where we'll talk for like, we have sort of segments, but we'll talk for like 45 minutes on like one phone oh, wow. and like a couple features. Deep dive into it. And you can literally just go spec for spec, feature for feature, and, and get lost in it. So that's what our podcast is for. Wow. See, I like, I definitely love your videos. I'm more uh, your video type person. Because <laughs> the first question I was going to ask you today was, what is tech? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's deep. But actually. Deep. Oh, we got interesting. I was, I was just saying it because I'm like, I don't know you anything. Know, if, I were, if, I, if someone asked me that, I would say anything with an on button. Because there's a lot of stuff I don't review. I review a lot of different types of tech. But... I'm not an expert in all of these types of tech. So I am very comfortable with a new smartphone or laptop or computer in front of me, but I've gotten more into electric car stuff and that's tech kind of too. Yeah. And I've gotten more into, you know, there's the home tech stuff. So there's like a thermostat that was already kind of tech, but then you put smart home sensors and scheduling in an app and now it's even more tech. So people want to buy it. Like there's a, there's a bunch of different worlds. So 
it's a it's say anything with an on button tentatively. <laughs> I like that definition. Yeah, sure. I'm like in my head, all I think about was like I have an on button, but then I'm like, no, no, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. That's just hormones. Pretty soon. Pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, soon we will. Um, <laughs> I was gonna ask, what does it? I'd say arguably, and you can tell me if you agree with this or not. You are like one of the biggest voices in tech review, whether that's just online or at large. I I had watched one of your recent videos called "Can You Trust Like Marcus Brenly." And mm -hmm. it kind of addressed this many ideas, one of which was, you know, what is the relationship between a tech reviewer and the company? And, and when you disclose that information, can, will the audience know? But I also right. started thinking about what it means to be somebody with that much influence in that space. Like you kind of started that video talking about how previously that, that job didn't exist. Not that long ago, an individual on YouTube wouldn't have that much influence in the tech right. space, whereas now, like one person with a camera, and I, we see this in lots of spaces like music review and stuff, where they would take a corporation that was doing it before, like a big company reviewing things. How does that feel? Do you think that you have like a major influence in that space? And what does that mean for the industry? Yeah, you know, like you said, it is it is new. So there are there are there have always been sources people go to to like th for trusted information about something they don't have so the the whole idea behind it is you're going somewhere to figure out if you should buy something you want to have a source that you can trust that has that thing that can tell you about it honestly and so for a while for a long time that's been newspaper articles right and that's turned into magazine articles and now there's online publications and that, that's always been people, but a lot of times people don't associate that with the person, the David Pogue or the Walt Mossberg that wrote that. They associate it more with the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal that published that. And so now with YouTube, there's all these individual voices that really are just individual voices, and they're independent voices, and they also have their own level of trustworthiness that has been gaining over the years. Now, it's still probably not quite equivalent. I don't know if you'd say your parents would associate a YouTube reviewer and the Wall Street Journal and put them on the same page. But a lot of younger people growing up now have that level of trust with the voices they watch on YouTube. So it is a responsibility because yeah, now I feel like I, I already was getting really into the tech, but now I definitely wanna make sure I get it right. You know, If I'm missing something, that's on me. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a new space and I think it's kinda interesting to see that respect level and that appreciation for all of the work that we do sort of arrive at the same level and get treated the same way, especially within tech, um, as the, the Wall Street Journals and the New York Times of the world. That's really cool. So have you, do you feel like you've seen that really evolve over the years that you've done this? Like even how you perceive yes. yourself in that space? Definitely. You know, uh, there's always been a sort of gold standard of like acceptable practice and getting invited to an Apple event, believe it or not, was that gold standard. And for the first seven, eight years that I did this, YouTubers didn't go to Apple events. That was never a thing. Um, and eventually, I wanna remember which one it was, but I'm gonna forget, but I was the first YouTuber ever to get invited alongside all the rest of press to go to a, an Apple unveiling of a new product. And at first it was kind of weird, like I'm the only YouTuber here and I'm, I'm seeing all these faces that I know from all these publications and, and the CNETs and The Verge and all these things, but I'm noticing that there's no other YouTubers. And then the next year there's three or four of us. And then the next year there's 11 or 12 of us. And so now it's, it's almost like regularly anticipated. Like whenever you see new coverage of tech, you can expect the top five or six YouTubers covering it to be right alongside 
the New York Times and the Wall Street Journals, you know, the same names you always see. So I have seen it change, which is actually really cool. And you were the first one, <laughs> Apple. Good job. Just we're gonna, we're gonna talk about <laughs> Apple a little bit later, but okay. yeah, because we're gonna. <laughs> I mean, Greg's an Apple user. I'm an Android. But user. I also don't know anything about tech. Okay, I'm just like I'm not. Um, gonna go I was gonna tech. say, does that? Do you feel like not not like you competitive towards the New York Times? But do you feel like there is tension between those groups, between the YouTubers and the digital side of things? And I mean, maybe you feel in like, my head when you walked this. in, the New York Times was like. Oh, is that YouTube? <laughs> and then, like, as you guys gained steam, they were just like, "Oh my god, these like, children!" <laughs> no, I think I think that's something we all like maybe imagine a little bit. I'm sure there's. They all have their own like. It's like when you walk to the. You might fly like first class for the first time, and you look around, and you're like, "I bet these other people don't think I belong here," but like, really, no one's really no one's judging that hard. It. Like, we're all there to do the same job essentially. Um, and it's almost funny that. It feels like a, an allyship at a certain point because because we all have the same job, which is to honestly report about what we're seeing. It's almost like we're all on the same team, and the company presenting and trying to change the narrative and shift it is on huh. kind of the other team. Right. So, I feel like it's still a sort of a teamwork operation when we all go in there and try to ask the right questions and figure out the story behind the investigative product. journalism. That's yeah, so exactly. interesting. I love it being framed like that because I like don't like companies and it's yeah. just like it's their fun things to hate on. And it's like that's so interesting that you're seeing how they're like you know they have the big screen at the Apple event and they're trying to create this narrative. Like, yeah, I love narrative that you guys are you sitting there. What's real? And yeah. What's yeah. And like every company presents things differently. Apple happens to be like the gold standard. Everyone knows about the Apple keynote, but like Asus has their own thing. Google has their own thing. Samsung has their own thing. And you sort of, when you've gone to enough of them, you start to see their patterns of like how they present certain things. And you, you might know like they took away the headphone jack for one reason, but they say a different reason and mm. you start to ask about it and they start to cave on the real reason. Like that stuff happens oh my when you have the experience. So yeah, that's real. That's fun. I know. <laughs> to be able yeah. to like slowly be like, you're not saying what we all know is happening. <laughs> it's very, some and some are like super obvious about it where you'll ask a question and they'll give you the, it's a, it's a great non-answer and you'll hear that and it's tempting to go, oh, okay, got it. But if you keep pressing on it, you'll figure out exactly where the tape is and where you can't, where they don't want you to know something mm -hmm. and basically find the shadow of the thing. So it's, it's, you could, yeah, you could call it investigative journalism or just enough prodding will sort of reveal, you know, where those things are. And I think that's something we all experience after a while. I love just like thinking of those people trying so hard then walking away being like, damn it, I caved. <laughs> Dang it. Marquez, he's too good. Do you ever, do you ever feel pressure with different companies and whatever? end of the tech space that if you were to say push too hard there might be like things you might not be included in like is there a fine balance of you know you don't want to over criticize something or do you feel like most companies understand that's the relationship with tech reviewers and their audience ultimately and that you're a litmus test for the audience yeah i found i found it's actually been pretty consistent with me and i i understand where the concern comes from with the audience because you would think okay if I start to say bad thing after bad thing after bad thing about company A, eventually they're just going to not want me around. They're not going to invite me to stuff. They're not going to send me products. And that's an understandable concern. For me, I found that as long as I'm honest, which I try to be all the time, and concerns and criticisms that I have are valid, then there's no reason to revoke access or turn a cold shoulder because this is stuff you need to hear and stuff you could potentially change and make better for your next version. So I think revoking access 
after valid criticism is a bad look for a company. Yeah, true. Especially when um, you have such a large audience anyway, if suddenly you're not allowed at any Apple event or something and your audience is like, how right. come you can't, you know, like, I guess it's a risk for them to take that step as well. Yeah. So the line that I've found that I, I don't cross is like leaks where understandably if you're leaking things or getting your hands on stolen or early products or anything like that, then they no longer want to include you in things because you're already covering it your own way. Right. Right. So I, I can report on other people's leaks and share them, but I'm not going after sources myself. Some people literally try to like email people inside of companies and Mm. report things before they come out. Those people won't be invited to the events, (laughs) understandably. Um, but I'm, I am all for like, you know, criticizing things that need to be talked about. Okay. Um, I, I feel like I'm trying to think if there's a comparable for us. Oh my God. We try and get in and like, and steal the early access research on imagine. Well, there's obviously, oh yeah, no, not, not like in heavy science, but there is always that relationship of when you're wanting to criticize something, make it, I don't know, like you, you I, I feel like it's a, I mean, I think it's a lot different. A lot of scientific research is publicly funded. There's not as many corporations behind it and it's not yeah. as, it's honestly just not as, it's not for consumers. A lot of scientific knowledge Fair. that we're talking about, like it's not, it's not nearly as interesting or sexy. You know what I mean? Like three people yeah. read the journal articles that we're reading. <laughs> think of how many people are going to buy the PS5. PS5. Like I think about that, like when I think of, uh, tech videos oftentimes when I'm informing a purchase decision, per- blah, 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 a purchase <laughs> decision, uh, the video has like a con- conclusion where it's like, at the end of the day, you should buy this. Right. Or at the end of the day, you shouldn't buy this. But with science, I feel like it's a little less conclusive and more informative where here, now you know the thing. Right. If there's a conclusion, it's maybe avoid this or do more of this, but it's hard to give like a hundred percent, you know, recommendation on anything. Things are at now, and yeah, take that as for sure. And even we all see it with coronavirus. It's like it's like here's the information we have, but there's also this other information, and there's also this other information. (laughs) If you really think about it, it's like who knows? (laughs) But that's hard to like you know. That's part of what our job is is to try and make it interesting for people. But I honestly just think innately tech is just. It's more interesting and it's more it's more uh, personal. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Tangible. You can literally hold it. Do you feel then there's so much tech, obviously, and as time's gone on, I feel like it's so much more accessible to be aware of all the tech that's constantly coming out. Is it overwhelming to keep up with the amount of things that you, like, quote unquote, should be like you're covering? Like, you like, Apple, stop it for a bit. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's, it's, it gets pretty crazy. And a lot of it is, it's, it's totally out of our control. So 
like I said, sometimes, you know, January, February, it's a little quiet. You're like sort of fishing for ideas of like, maybe <laughs> I'll make a video about this thing I had for a little while and didn't talk about, but wanted to. But once you arrive at like where we are now, which is like, we're about to be in August, September, October, November, if you are a tech YouTuber, you are overwhelmed, period. It's just like, wow, like, gotta do it It all. is a <laughs> fire hose of stuff. And you can basically, like, if you imagine a fire hose, you just reach your hand in and grab something, there's gonna be something in there to talk about. If you only right. make one video a week, you can make one huge piece about the, the crazy thing that happened that week. Um, but even just this week, there were two phones in a row, two back-to-back -back days, and I was staying up. I was editing at, like, 3 a.m. to finish the second video for the second day. Uh and it's not even August yet. Like it's gonna get crazy. Um, so to summarize, yes, it's <laughs> I, I will. I will be overwhelmed when that time of year rolls around again. How do you still have that motivation? We haven't been up th till three editing in a long time. <laughs> like twelve years. Uh, you're still is, just yeah. I I don't know. I I really enjoy not just the tech part of it, but also the the being able to share and immediately get this like feedback about the tech and about the video you make. Um, and I think that that feels into it too. So at the beginning, of course, it's all just like, here's the tech, let me share it. That's my job, the end. But almost like keeping a finger on the pulse and like understanding what, when you see a video immediately start to get way more traction because people are more interesting and more interested than you thought they would be in this piece of tech, that's fascinating to me. Uh, or when you make something that you thought like, no one's ever seen this. There's no way people don't love this. And then suddenly you find this new angle where people are like, actually, I don't like this very much. <laughs> so it kind of keeps you on your toes. And maybe that's a, a bit of why I'm so so into it all the time. But I, I don't know. It's just, it's always changing. Tech just keeps moving. Do, do you have something right now, say 2020 as a year? Obviously, some things are been announced to come out. Some things have probably already come out. Is there tech right now that you're like, I am the most excited for this. I, I've been hyping it up in my mind and I'm ready for it to either come out or it has and it's like been my most favorite thing. Yeah, 2020 is tough because everything's delayed now. <laughs> okay. So stuff that I thought was like the Tesla Roadster was gonna come out in 2020 and then there's just no way. Um, so honestly, this year I'm looking for a couple phones specifically that I think are gonna actually be, because we see phones every year, they're like almost the same as last yeah. year, but some tweaks or whatever. Um, but I get really pumped when I see like major redesigns or new considerations for phones. And I think iPhone 12 is gonna be one of them. We saw iOS 14 get some, some really interesting new features and that's gonna launch with the iPhone 12 or whatever they call it in September, that's one. Um, I think Samsung's phones, the Fold 2. So I don't know how much you follow folding phones. I've seen a couple of your videos on them. It's yeah. literally just your videos, and I'm like, how is that real? <laughs> it's going to be, that that phone I think is going to be like the gold standard folding phone. And this is just from leaks I've seen and from what we're expecting. But this phone's supposed to be like the sort of no compromises, looks like a normal phone, open it up twice as big a screen on the inside like hopefully without you know, like the awful bend and like the phone <laughs> yes with the yeah so hopefully that phone lives up to the expectations which is really hard by the way there's always way too much hype so but do you think I'm like excited. did you enjoy that like because to me for some reason a folding phone is just like i can't imagine wanting that but i also remember like in university being like seeing a blackberry and being like who needs email on their phone so obviously yeah. i'm sure i could be changed and convinced but do you think that kind of thing is the future of phones you know, I I think so still, yes. I've been asked that, and before I wasn't sure. 
because it was it was this really early idea where a couple companies were trying to execute on the concept and it just wasn't really working out very well. Uh, but I still think the general idea of having a small thing that you take out of your pocket and it expands into a bigger, more useful thing, and then you put it back. Yeah, that's true. Mm. And that that very fundamental idea, I think, still will continue to evolve with these folding phones. But I think there's still room to play with it. Yeah, I know. I'm so curious, and I'm in the market for a new phone. So I'm like, so should I wait till like this Soon. September, October ish to see what's coming out? Oh yeah, thing? yeah. Before. Don't buy a phone now. Okay, it's the worst. Don't time. buy a phone now. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, in the next like, so August, September, October, in three months, you'll have uh, about a dozen new great phones to choose from. Okay, yeah, I know, yeah. I feel like I've gone through a handful of phones, maybe we can address this now. So Greg and I have for a long time been on opposite ends of the spectrum. You've mm -hmm. used an iPhone for most of your life, like I guess you've had. I've tried, before. like we are YouTubers, we got given Google ph phones out of our Wahoos, you know, you just show up <laughs> near them and they're like, oh, you yeah. want a Google phone? And I'm like, this is privilege. <laughs> so I've definitely been given phones numerous times uh -huh. and I'm always just like, I hate to say it, Google, but I'm like, no, I can't. I'm like so bad. And then I, I love my iPhone and we just argue all the time. It's usually after a couple glasses of wine. My, um, my, I don't have any strong opinions. My general consensus, like, I don't think that iPhones are worse or Mac computers are worse, but usually I like, cause I'm more like, I feel I can get sometimes more bang for my buck, especially in the computer world or like a desktop. I feel like I can get a more powerful computer and like, you know, make it yeah. to my specs. Maybe that's not true. But then maybe phones nowadays, I'm like, they're all expensive anyway. And now iPhone has that like really cheap version of their phone that I'm like, maybe I should switch to an iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's hard. It, I never, I can't pick, I literally carry both. So I'll, oh I'll start with that with you all the time. I always have two phones with me, Whoa. two SIM cards, two phone numbers, but I will ask, like, when was when was the first iPhone where you were like, I'm just getting iPhones? Like, you, the first one okay, you got. Okay, so I think it was the iPhone six. Is that even okay. an iPhone? It was like, it was like, yeah. it would have been like. Three. <laughs> yeah. no, they, they oh my six. god! I can't I just said that to Marquez Bradley. Is that even an iPhone? It's like I want to throw myself off this top floor of my house. No, there's <laughs> there. I when I looked back at. Well, you know, people compare iPhone to Android all the time in our world. It's a very common debate. I think there are some things that one or the other objectively does better, and those things are great debate points. I think the iPhones typically have top-of-the-line cameras. Mm -hmm. They're going to take the best quality videos you can get in a phone. That's very useful for a YouTuber. But there are other things that are more subjective and, like, how much you like something versus, like, iMessage is, is just another messaging app for a lot of people, but for some people, it's the only messaging app they will use. There are truly yeah. group chats I'm left out of. Exactly. 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 And that's it's what, painful. That's what I mean. I'm like, I don't want a phone that actually like ostracizes me from society. <laughs> and that's real. And that's like a, that's a weird like point where like Android people will be like, well, it's not better. Like, why would you, like in my Android phone, I can say, look, the processor is faster here. I have six times as much RAM in my phone. The battery is twice as big. Like all these are real points where you can say you're getting more for your money. But as soon as you're like, well, my phone is just going to work with my Mac and iMessage just suddenly you're in this like, how much do you care? Right. Is it an aesthetic thing? How much is actually tech that is important that is the most unwinnable debate 
I will ever yeah, see. Yeah, that's so, true. It's like subjective. It's art. It's subjective. Exactly. So, I I, you know, I carry both. I'm in both worlds. I do find, um, is it is this a made up thing that I'm like, I just feel like apps work better on the iPhone, especially when a new app comes out. Like sometimes I like, I'm, I'm like, no offense, Mitch, but that looks like a little bit of janky janky every time you post something <laughs> okay. for me. Sense. Okay, this is real. So, so there are a lot in the US especially, there are a lot of Android users and there are a lot of iPhone users. And these Android users are spread out over 50, 60, 70 different screen resolutions, Android versions, all mm. these different things. And the iPhone is the seven, the eight, the nine, or there is no, what are we? There's no nine, so seven, <laughs> eight, eight S, whatever. There's a very small amount of iPhones. Right, it's like streamlined. And so if you're a developer and you can develop one version of your app for as many phones as possible, what are you gonna do? You're gonna make it for the iPhone because it's just gonna work across millions of users. Wow. And if you get time and maybe some extra money and you can hire people, maybe then you'll make an Android version, but that's kind of the second fiddle because 30 million people use your iPhone version. That's real. So even as high up as Instagram, Snapchat, like the biggest apps, the apps do work better on the iPhone. The, the camera will integrate better. The resources will be more efficient. They are actually better on the iPhone very often. And that's one of the reasons I carry an iPhone. Yeah. Wow. That, so it's real. That, I that's never, what I mean. Like, I think like YouTubers like trying to, I'm always just been like, that's my justification. I think like when I use the app. Because YouTubers? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I, obviously if I wasn't doing the job I was doing, I would be, you know, trying, I'm, Sorry, Mark has plug yours. I'd be like, I don't even want a phone. I'd be one of those weird people being like, I'm going to try and meditate and read books or whatever. But like, yeah. uh, because we're in this job, that's why I've, I have gravitated toward, like when I had that iPhone 6, the first time I really leaned into it, I just thought like, oh my God, I just was using Instagram on my Google phone and it wasn't working as well. My posts were like, my mouth would sometimes be off, like weird things like that. What do you that. mean your mouth would be off? Like, like literally, like it would be like I would record it and then I'd post oh, like it and sync. the audio would be out of sync and I'd just be like, oh, yeah. I guess that's all I can do. I'm not like going to fix I, that. And then you're, dude, you're on it. I only post photos and videos on Instagram from my iPhone. Really? Oh my God. And it's real because, and again, this is such a, it's like a, when you open up Instagram on my Android phone and you swipe over, it's not a direct feed to the camera and a lot of phones it's a an overlay recording of, of the camera screen. so it's not the highest quality uh, where on the iPhone it just works plugs in straight to the camera on the pixel on the Google phone they've plugged into pixel visual core and they had to go to Instagram to work with them to get them to do that hmm. but not everyone's Google right. there's a lot of phones out there that just don't have the ability to do that so yeah Instagram is one of those apps snapchat's another one uh, GroupMe is another one, like where you try to insert media or do any of these media YouTuber things, you will notice the difference. So, does anyone have uh, opinions on real. TikTok? Is TikTok better on iPhone? Do you know? Because I feel like that's the new probably. Like, I would imagine. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. That's another one of those where like I have it on both phones, but I if I was gonna go make a video right now, I'd pull the iPhone out. Are you in TikTok? I have an account. Okay. <laughs> but you have it. You don't uh, really post. Or? <laughs> yeah, I don't really post anything. I. I want to have like these great ideas where like I'll watch TikToks, yeah. like I'll scroll for a while and I'll get all these great ideas, all these puns bouncing around my head <laughs> and like I'll want to make a TikTok, but I just haven't, I haven't done it yet. Do you think like in your guesstimate, do you think that will become an important space for tech review or just the conversations that you would be having on YouTube? It's actually, that's a great question because we think about the medium we're on a lot we're like what if what if youtube goes away or like what if youtube suddenly isn't the place where everyone goes to watch videos what will you do and i think the right answer for any smart person is well i'll go where the eyeballs are 
But I think right now, and for the last decade, <laughs> if I'm going on the internet and searching for a video about something, I'm going to YouTube.com. Yeah, like yeah. Or Google. And it's a and huge it's search yeah. engine. YouTube. <laughs> People forget that so, YouTube yeah. is a search engine primarily. Exactly. Like, yeah, especially so, for you. That's... So it's good to be in other places. I still use Instagram and Twitter and all these things, but they're not as core to the content. A lot of times they'll either po point to the YouTube content or they'll just be like additional accessory type content. You uh, mentioned uh, earlier about um, electric cars. I just want to ask you because we're primarily trying to focus ASAP science like about climate change, trying to really figure out like, in our opinion, the biggest you know, crisis of our generation, then, whoa, all of a sudden there's a global pandemic or there's something else too. Okay, well, there's a lot of crises. Um, yeah. What sort of information do you have? Like, I mean, that's like a broad question and I don't really know how to ask you specifically, but like, what is it about electric cars that excites you? Is it the environmental aspect or is it really just the tech and like they're quote unquote better cars? Like, I don't know that much about them. Yeah, you know, there's, I think there's two types of electric car enthusiasts. I am one of the types. Type one, which is me, is they're just better cars. Okay, <laughs> cool. Are, I love knowing that. They're just awesome. Like I, I've been driving, so I've driven a Tesla Model S since 2016. It is 99.9% .9 of the time I'm driving the fastest car on the road. It's Whoa. quiet. It's there's more space because there's no trunk or there's no engine, so you have an extra trunk. You have all this, all these benefits. It's just a better car, and then it gets software updates and it has navigation on this huge screen, and there's just all these things I like about it. So for me, it was just this is a great car. I want it. But I think for person number two, there is a little bit of that environmental, no emissions, that that conscious mind where they actually factor that into the car decision. Where okay. Uh, let me factor how much fuel do I buy every year? How many miles do I drive? How many miles per gallon was I, what was I going to spend on gas versus getting almost completely rid of your, your carbon footprint with emissions and just going electric and saving money on gas eventually. That's real too. Um, I didn't think about that as much when I got my car, especially the way I drive. I'm not really saving that much <laughs> performance wise, but, uh, I, I, I think those, both of those types of people exist and I just, I just thought it was a fantastic car. I have two questions about electric cars unless you're about to ask. No, no, no. I'm like, I just bike uh, everywhere. I need a, I want And you may, I don't know uh, if you'll know the answer to this, but are we, are we close or far away from automated driving electric cars that Ooh, we don't? Hot debate. Hot debate. Yeah. Um, so it depends on your definition of automated car. And there's actually like a, a sort of a step, like level one, level two, level three, four, five, like defined uh, level of autonomy in cars. If you ask an optimist we're almost there. Hmm. Um, and, and you can go out and drive on roads in pretty much anywhere in North America, and that will seem true. Uh, but there are so many, this is when you actually get to using it, you find this out, but there are so many little weird use cases where a little bug or a little glitch or just a, a little misconsideration can have totally wild consequences. And every time you have one of those consequences, it sets the whole automated car movement back yeah. because... You know, somebody didn't have their hands on the wheel and it crashed into a pole that was like, right, you know, there's right. these weird lines on the road, stuff like that. Construction zones, it happens. Um, so I would say, you know, we're, we're over two less than 10 years wow. from, 
from autonomy. That's really cool. And yeah, I know what you mean where like, yeah, any accident or incident is going to blow up in the media. It even reminds me of things like Uber and Airbnb where people are like, how are you getting in someone else's, like a stranger's car and this and anything that would have ever gone wrong, like hosting someone at Airbnb. People are like, look, this house got trashed because people were partying there. But generally these things like run properly. Okay. My second question is, do you think that Apple will ever have (laughs) an electric car? Is that a game they would ever get into? It, I want it to be a yes. <laughs> I, I want it so bad because if Apple gets into a new product category, which they rarely do, uh, it's usually pretty good. It's like they're doing it because they're going to do it the best kind of thing. Yeah, you know, they have a phone and then years later they make a bigger phone. And then years later they make a tablet and they're like, wow, <laughs> nice. Free products. And, you know, <laughs> they made this thing on their wrist and it's changed so little, but they've really narrowed down what it's good at. Um, a car is, it's a lot yeah. to make cars. It's a manufacturing challenge. It's a software challenge. It's, it's a lot of things. So I don't really find it realistic for a company to just jump right in and suddenly be good yeah. at it. Tesla's the exception, not the rule. Uh, but I, boy, would I love to see that. Cause then there could be the debate of like, I guess like our, no, there's not like Android electric cars. They're just run their own software, right? <laughs> Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like a, it's a software product. After a while, yeah. my car is connected to the internet. It gets software updates that change feature sets, how it responds to stimuli from the cameras, wow. improves performance. My car goes faster zero to 60 now than it does when I bought it. What? Whoa. Like That's all these things. so weird. Yeah, because it's, it's connected to the motors, which are connected to the computer, right. and all you have to do is change a little algorithm, a little bit of tweaking, and you can change the acceleration curve, and now the car is faster. Like this stuff. When you say connected to the internet, does it, is that when you're at home or, or on the road, is it connected as well? All the time, yeah. It only does software updates when it's on my Wi-Fi network at home, but yeah, it's got its own LTE connection all Whoa. the time. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you might be making me sold on a Tesla. I, I do not like, have issues with Elon Musk, saying. and now I'm like, oh my God, maybe I want a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. that is so interesting. Okay, so we'll find out if Apple gets into the car game, but you're right, it makes sense that they have no, like if anything, maybe Samsung's a lot closer because they actually step into technology outside of phones and stuff, right? Yeah, and Samsung Samsung makes everything. Yeah, like don't cars. They know. have like motorcycles Remember and stuff, Remember when we were right? in Korea? It was like, oh, wait, all these cars are Samsung cars. <laughs> like, it was wild. They make, they make toasters. <laughs> they make washing machines. They make everything. How does a so company I, do that? It's so weird. Not weird, but interesting to think that some company, like, and, and they're very successful at a lot of it. You know, it's not like their phones yeah. are some of the most popular phones in the world. And then they're also yeah, making they're, toasters. <laughs> It's just a, it's a different a different strategy. Like sometimes you just have that many teams and you hire that many people and you have that many different headquarters that you can sort of section it off to like Samsung displays and Samsung appliances right. and Samsung mobile. And so each one of those is its own company. It's kind of the same way at Apple, but they just focus a lot more where it's like the Mac team and the iPhone team and the right. watch team. But Samsung's got Just gone all the way. Teams on teams <laughs> on teams. Yeah. Oh, the other good thing about Apple, Mitch, I didn't mention, is you got to go, go to the Apple store and you got to be treated like royalty by these that people who true. are like, hello there, Gregory. So nice to meet you. <laughs> like, and they do a little they have joke. That down. It's like they have that down. I'm always like, yeah. I know customer service is like a weird, cringy thing they talk about, but whenever I go, I, I'm like, this is hilarious. Like, the way that they are like, they, it's almost weird. Sometimes I'm like, I just want a cash register. Like, I just want to buy headphones. And you have to like, you know what I mean? Like chat <laughs> and learn like about Frank and like all this stuff. Yeah. It's that level of 
to in a certain extent, that's like something a lot of companies wish to be good at too, because co- people feel special when they walk into an Apple store yeah. and they already know what they're there for and they already know like if they have the part that they need in stock. Where if you go to almost any other retail store for a company, not the same experience. Uh, and if you ask a person which one they'd rather have, usually they'll prefer that Apple Store experience. And I feel so, like not to be ages at all, but the amount of times that I've sat in an Apple Store and seen like, you know, someone older come in and be like, I just, I, and then they like turn the phone on and they're like, so this is how you turn it on. You know what I mean? Like that patience, like for a lot of people, these shifts, yeah. have, like we we're all like this similar age, we're younger, but like when you think about it, like 60 year olds need a phone and I think they are maybe going to Apple for like that. Like yeah. it's a weird, I don't know if they thought about it, but it's like they need someone to look after them. And you know what? I, like I've yeah. seen the like Help very f- their cute conversations where it's like, and then you take the photo and look, it's in this folder, and they're like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" And it's like, as <laughs> you would be like, "Oh my god!" Like that's so obvious. But. Yeah, that's why I have to be careful not to stay in my tech bubble for too long because I'll start to think everyone knows all these things, and then I'll go back to like, you know. <laughs> the other world where it's like people are still trying to figure out like if you can use this app with this service and like these these questions that I thought were pretty pretty known mm-hmm. are suddenly like pretty advanced so yeah you, you know Apple thinks about these things a lot yeah Wait, tell so. me a little bit about your other world so you were a professional ultimate frisbee <clears throat> player is that correct correct have you yes always been into ultimate frisbee or that did that come about later in your life or how'd you get into that Great question. I started playing Ultimate Frisbee in high school. And so I went to high school in Maplewood, New Jersey at the school that invented the sport in the 60s. Oh, whoa. whoa. So I also so, did not expect that sport to have been invented that long ago because I feel like I only heard yeah. about it in university when people were like, Ultimate Frisbee. <laughs> Ultimate Frisbee well, was invented a- in New Jersey? Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah. God. So that's where a lot of people start to find Ultimate is in, in college. But there was this this really passionate youth ultimate scene where I played all through high school and we played against other high schools in the country where we eventually had Easterns and our national championship and we won our state championship my senior year, the 11th year in a row. You it bet was you just did. like oh, oh, oh. this decorated program where it was like a, a borderline varsity sport. And then I went to college where it was not the same. It was like... A, a club available to you <laughs> yeah and i had been so into ultimate that you know i we i joined the team and we we built this program kind of from that level to we came in third at nationals two Whoa. years later wait the, the so, college team that you went into as a club ended up becoming like that a professional good? team Third at Nash, third at D three Nationals, my sophomore year. Okay, call Disney. That's a screenplay, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> it was a good. It was a good time, uh, and so yeah, I've just been. I've been playing ultimate in the area for years. Uh, I've played for the New York club team and the New York pro team oh in God. the relatively new pro leagues that started uh, less than ten years ago. Actually, so we just had one of our games played on Fox Sports last night. Because we don't have a real season. So they're not playing our current season because oh. we're not playing. <laughs> so they played last year's. Uh, we played Raleigh, so they played that on TV. So that was cool. Wait, wow. you were on TV playing a sport? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my so God. Good. Multifaceted. Yeah, that, that's so interesting to me. Do you feel like, like, do you, obviously you're like so into Ultimate Frisbee. Do you feel like it's an important part of your life to have that separate thing from the tech side and even from the Ultimate Frisbee? Like that you have these other facets of your life that almost know nothing about each other? Yeah, 100%. It's like a different part of my brain that is dormant during the day and then switches during the other half of the day. You know, we had night practices, we have weekend games. Um, 
yeah, in a lot of ways. We I feel like I unplug on the weekends because I'm not I'm not at work. I'm not connected to the internet. The, the internet keeps going, mm-hmm. but I am offline, fully dedicated to this thing that is physical and that is creative in a different way and that is just fun and competitive. And I need that competition. And yeah, so that's when we got to this pandemic and the season was canceled. I realized even more how much I needed that mm-hmm. in my life. So I've just been filling it with golf basically. So <laughs> at least you can still, here like, we are. Yeah, like, so yeah, what aspect of yeah. it is, do you think, is it the physical aspect? Cause golf isn't probably nearly as like aerobic. So was it, it's yeah, it's physical, but it's much more competitive for me. Okay. I, I just want to get good at something and try to win in a way at that thing. <laughs> right. Like and improve your skills. You can see the actual improvements and yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's so like, that's so, Funny, like I'm just like I like I don't, I'm like I feel like I've never had that. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Neither of us. Whenever I was playing sports, players. I was like, when the hell does this end? <laughs> it's like, and even now the the NBA season's coming back, and they're playing. They're they're finishing out the season that was canceled middle of the year in this bubble in Disney World, where you know there's this whole little ecosystem now where they're gonna play in front of no fans, and they're gonna crown a champion of the 2020 season, and it is the wildest thing to watch right now. Oh my god! So, I, so have they started those games? They're in uh, early August, I think, or what is it? It's gonna be in like four days. They Whoa. start the season. Oh, I, I just picture like the like creaking noises of the shoes, and then like silence. It's like <laughs> like no one's cheering. It's oh. just like. <laughs> You know what sounds crazy? They're doing UFC events now with no crowds, and you can hear every oh, punch God. and every twist and it's like everything. In the, in the room. It's so it's so wild. That's yeah, weird. those are those are a spectacle. Yeah, right I never understood Whoa. that one either. I've always been like, I mean, in <laughs> my head, I'm like, that looks like gay porn, my friends. I don't know what everyone else is talking about. <laughs> I was gonna it's say, wild. like, I wonder how much this uh, pandemic is going to influence the future of tech, especially in like remote tech like obviously zoom is like so popular and now we're talking about uh you know being able to watch sports and be like remote in different ways and do you do you feel like that's going to have a big influence on the future of tech i i've said for the last couple of weeks i kind of hope it does and maybe that's a little selfish because i do like seeing my tech friends at events and and going to events is always this whole spectacle but also as a pretty introverted person like I love that I can just sit here in the studio watch the event and then make my video on it and go home and it's there's just something to it where like it's simpler I remember Apple has an event called WWDC every year and every year we go to WWDC with the team and as soon as the keynote's over we go back to the hotel room we're making the video and we need to find a way to download the the event footage it just got made maybe it's on Apple's website maybe I don't know, maybe we can just get some footage from the audience, something like that. This year, it was entirely virtual, which meant it was entirely pre-recorded. And as soon as WWDC was over, in my inbox, I had a folder full of all of the footage I <laughs> needed to make everything. And that, to me, was like, I could do this. Yeah, yeah, this, that is, is like- this is totally fine if it's like this for the rest of the, for the you know, however long it needs to be. Um, yeah, I, I will miss like seeing our you know tech YouTube friends at, at every event. But at the same time, this is not so bad. Yeah, yeah. And you'll see, I love how we're really talking like it will never come back to normal. I mean, like, fingers crossed. We don't know, but. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was, do you, were you going to say something? Well, okay. I just have, like, this is going to be, like, my final sort of, like, big whatever question, which is that, like, I I really love reading um, sci-fi, and the sci-fi that I like to read is usually, like, in the near future. And I always find it's, like, very um, pretty doomsday, whatever, but I always find they're not that creative about um, 
explaining like you know tech like even you just sort of like looking at your apple watch like they're never including an apple watch in these types of books or movies that i love when you think about 10 years from now do you picture like a world that's maybe different than what i picture like are you thinking about how tech evolves when you think about your future or are you more like present and just like do you know what i'm trying to say i'm just curious about your brain yeah. and like 10 years from now are you like i've i've i think i am really bad at predicting the future okay. and like visualizing it because i've had also you know the question of like smartphones are we like done evolving with smartphones or will we get like these virtual phones and chips in our arms or something yeah. and to me i can't like imagine going beyond like this thing that I use and then stop using, you know, mm-hmm. this physical thing. Um, so when I think of the world in 10 years, I'm just imagining like a slightly aesthetically different version of what we yeah, already yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. And I don't really see that, I don't really know where tech goes. A lot of it is just responding to what hooks now. Like you might have this like somewhat minor seeming update in a new product and then it comes out and suddenly everyone's using it or maybe in this pandemic now suddenly everyone realizes how useful you know these video conferencing apps are and like suddenly they take these whole new lives and and worlds on and that changes the world in a way you didn't expect yeah. so i could make my predictions about the future but i honestly don't think they'd be very useful i think it's just when you respond to the now then you get a better idea of what next year might be and then Maybe the next year after that, but that's a good answer. I, I don't no, know if that's I, a good answer. I even think the that most idea accurate answer you could give. <laughs> yeah, and the idea of yeah. like it always having to be something you can turn off is really interesting. A lot of people assume it's going to become this like very like bioengineered cyborg thing, but we really yeah. resist. Like we are all figuring out how we live with technology and allow it to be something. Like you just explained, like one of the biggest tech YouTubers in the world has to do an activity on the weekend where he's not as involved in tech. So there is that interesting sort of dichotomy and push pull that I think will probably still exist. But I wonder if it is, it will be partially generational. Like I'm sure there are people who will grow up in the world and be like, what do you mean you're afraid to have this chip in you? You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like how people a little older than us were a little bit resistant to like smartphones. Like my grandma, you know, she has a tablet like out of necessity right, yeah, where yeah. it's like, I want to shop online. I you can't do it on my flip phone. Yeah. So what's it going to be Marquez an iPad or what? Like, oh. I think, I think Gen Z, like this next younger generation who's growing up with like a smartphone attached to mm-hmm. them all the time, probably will have a little less resistance to some of the weirder concepts that we're imagining where you just can't turn it off. So I think it is generational too. Yeah. yeah. Um, my last question was just going to be, do you see yourself being in this space indefinitely? Is it something that you imagine you do for the next 20 years? Or do you feel like at some point you will switch it up and, and try something else? Well, I think the smart answer is I will eventually stop. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I think as long as it's fun, which it is, and as long as I get, you know, this satisfaction out of making what I want to make, um, I think I will be doing it. I also think, you know, I you look back at like the 10-year-old videos and not only are they like a child making the video, <laughs> but it it's like a worse video. <laughs> And I get that same feeling looking back at like one-year-old videos. So I think as long as I'm improving in some way, I'm trying to make the videos, you know, structurally better, informationally dense, uh, aesthetically better. I think all of that stuff has room to grow. So as long as I can keep growing and improving that, I think I'm going to be pretty happy. Very cool. Well, well thank we'll you. Still be getting notifications. You're so in 20 inspiring. Years. Yeah. <laughs> 
I hope so, yeah. Uh, but if not, that's <laughs> awesome too. And then you'll just be a professional Ultimate Frisbee player on TV on Fox. <laughs> if that could be my only job, that would be incredible. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I mean, if people can find you, how do they look you up? Yeah, you know, uh, if you just search MKBHD on anything, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you want, you'll find something. Amazing. All right. Well, anything else you want to plug before we go? Uh... No, that's about it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, Big fan of the so videos. Much. Keep keep making them. I, I feel like they're more important than ever. So I'm looking forward to the next ASAP Science stuff. And awesome. Hopefully, uh, well, thank you so much. And yeah, thank you for collabing on our 5G video. If anyone hasn't seen it, who's listening or watching, go watch it. Yeah. Otherwise, you can use the hashtag Side Note Podcast to, to chat to us and let us know what you think. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs> Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.